So, um, yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak today uh, to, to this group. Um, I'll be talking about um, finding and optimizing microbes. And is there a point? This is a pointer? No. Great. Um, so um, first I want to start by thanking the people in my lab before I forget, and I'll try to keep to 30 minutes. Um, I want to thank Ellen Marsh, who's my lab manager. I've been at UNL for a little over a year and a half, and she's been uh, critical in helping me uh, set up my lab. I have a graduate student, Morgan McPherson, uh, an undergrad from Malaysia, uh, who's a just amazing person to have in the lab. Uh, Yen Ning Chai, and then two postdocs, Pen Wang and Ying Yang. And then, um, as Tom mentioned, um, I like to do team science, and so I have a long list of collaborators that I've worked with since I've come here. Um, Aaron Lorenz and Greg Kruger on a project on corn. Um, Lisa Ainsworth and Andrew Leakey, who are at the University of Illinois. Ishmael Dwycott, who I work with on some sorghum stuff. Um, Tom Clemente, you know, who we work together in the Center for Biotechnology as well as we have a sorghum project together. Um, and then I'll mention someone, two people from the University of uh, Minnesota, Daryl Goh and Kenny Beckman. Uh, we've gotten into sequencing and they've really helped us kind of kickstart this work. And then finally, um, more recent collaborators are George Graff and Brian Waters, and I'll mention a project that we're doing with them. So. Um, Soils are some of the most um, complex communities on the planet, um, and they're really a challenge to work with. Uh, one teaspoon of soil has maybe a billion uh, bacterial cells in it. Uh, you may have heard a lot about the gut microbiome, and so when you compare soils to the gut microbiome, there's some interesting comparisons. I, I won't belabor the point too much, but um, in the gut, uh, we probably have a higher density of microbes in our gut than you'd find in soils. But what's really interesting in soils is that the diversity of the bacterial and fungal species in soils is just huge. You know, it's um, 5,000 to 50,000 different species in a soil sample, whereas in our gut there's probably only 500 to 1,000 uh, species of microbes. And so, um, this diversity in soil makes it a really complex problem. And so I kind of liken our work to um, an astronomer. You know, the astronomers look out into the universe and they're constantly discovering new stars and new planets. And it just seems like it's, it's an endless type of um, um, discovery process. Um, and so we're doing the same kind of thing with soils. And so we're discovering and looking for all these unique different bacterial and fungal species that are out there. Uh, our tools, for the most part, are fairly simple. So we go out and we use shovels, microscopes, and petri plates. Um, and then we are using a little bit more complex tool um, in the area of uh, sequencing. So today I just want to briefly outline some of the research questions that we're asking and uh, some of the tools that we're using for this research. I want to just talk about exploring Nebraska soils and then um, I'll give you an example of some of the projects and a little tiny bit of the results and then finally I'll talk about establishing our culture collection.
Okay, so these are some of the questions we're answering. They're pretty simple questions, and hopefully these simple questions will add, will lead to applications for agriculture in the long term. So, you know, we wanna know, you know, who's out there, how do communities change? These are microbial communities in soil, how do they change? And then really what I wanna to get to eventually is what are these microbes doing in soils? You know, how are they helping plants grow? How are they helping plants acquire nutrients? How are they protecting plant roots against, um, you know, parasitic microbes? So, um, you know, some of the, another, you know, the question, one main question that we're asking is how do uh, plants alter their microbiome? And so one of the projects that we've started, uh, this is in collaboration with Tom Clemente. Um, Tom has these sorghum lines. Um, sorghum roots exude um, a compound called sorgoleone. Uh, Tom's used transgenic methods to knock out the production of sorgoleone. And so we're testing how this root exudate um, affects the microbiome and also the nitrogen use efficiency of the system uh, through using this knockout line and comparing it to the wild type. We're also interested in how the environment, uh, environmental stress alters microbiomes and the, so there we have projects on drought. Um, we're going to get more into drought um, in the next five years with this DOE project and then also um, how low nitrogen stress affects microbiomes. And then in addition to these questions, there's a discovery aspect to the work. So what I'd really like to find, um, you know, in, in, in addition to the basic research, find some applications to agriculture. So we were looking for what I call the good guys out there. Um, in particular, we're interested in nitrogen-fixing endophytes that may, you know, improve the nutrition for um, crop plants that are, are grown in um, uh, environments with uh, less than optimal nitrogen. And then uh, we're also working on finding microbes that will enhance a plant's ability to acquire iron. So these are the tools. I'll talk a little bit about the tools that we're working with. Um, one is um, the shovels, coolers, and tubes. Those are pretty low tech. I'll talk about how we identify who's out there using this 16S DNA and then I'll also talk a little bit about this next generation sequencing. I get really excited about some of the new technologies and I wanted to try to kind of give you an idea of this new really cool technology of sequencing. And this just kind of reminds you what we're doing when we're trying to figure, figure out who's out there. We're trying to, to either you know, study uh, how the phylum level of a microbe community changes all the way down to the species level. Okay, so this is the shovels, coolers, and tubes. Um, and this slide just kind of shows you um, how we approach our field work. Uh, we go out with um, shovels, a lot of tubes, buckets, coolers, and we dig up plant roots. Um, and that's, this is the sorghum, the transgenic sorghum field that we've been working in this past summer. You can see it's a, beautiful, well-managed field in this uh, facility that um, Tom Clemente really spearheaded. So we're one of the few um, public universities that can do this kind of transgenic research in the field. And so it's very exciting um, to be able to, you know, answer questions about these transgenic plants. 
Um, these are our shovels that we use, and then we dig the plants up, we shake off the roots, and then we partition the roots, uh, what, we, what we dig up into what we're calling bulk soil, uh, the root, and then the rhizosphere. So we take the roots, cut them, and we put them in tubes, we shake them, and with that comes the rhizosphere soil, and then we're analyzing the rhizosphere um, what we're calling the endosphere, which are the microbes inside the roots, and then the bulk soil. Um, and this is just kind of a cool picture. We went down to um, South Carolina to work um, on a, um, to dig up some sorghum roots. This is energy sorghum, and you can just see these um, massive, massive roots of these energy sorghum varieties growing in very sandy soils. Uh, so that's the field work part of it. And then we bring things into the lab, and then we um, try to identify the microbes that are in all these different samples. And the way that we do that, answering the question is, who's in the sample, is that we use this 16S gene as our marker to figure out who's there. So basically, it's a tag for um, a particular microbial species. This is just showing you the anatomy of the um, 16S gene. It's, it's kind of a cool gene because it's, it's very abundant, so it's very easy to pick up in many different types of samples. Um, you can see these regions here in this yellowish green color. These are highly variable regions. And then you have these darker colors that are the very conserved regions. So with these conserved regions, we can go in and we can make what's called PCR primers, and we can amplify um, let's say this V4 region, um, and then we can sequence this V4 region, and this is kind of our, um, our way of telling which bacterial or fungal species is present in the soil. So we sequence these um, pieces of DNA, and then there's these really good databases that we can um, check them against, and then identify the, um, either the genus, the phylum, or the species that are present in these samples. Um, so essentially um, what happens with this process is that um, there's a glass slide and five to 200 million pieces of DNA are laid across this glass slide. And um, from that, there are, um, you synthesize pieces of DNA from the existing DNA that's on the slide and there are fluorescent tags. So as the tags are added, there's a beam of light that's emitted, and um, there's very high power um, microscopes or cameras that capture these images. And so what you can see here in the slide are, let's say, a, um, a blue, a blue um, dot or blue light is captured, and then that's recorded as a T and a green here would be a G, an orange would be a C. And so um, it's continually captured, and then you have this array of you know, maybe five or 10 million pieces of DNA, and then with software, the, um, the computer's able to figure out you know, um, the sequence of, the DNA, of each strand of DNA. So what you end up with, with is with a huge amount of data um, that luckily in this field, in, in the microbiome field, there's some pioneers who developed open, open source software uh, that allows us to analyze the DNA. Okay, so the um, next step, um, the next thing I want to briefly talk about, there we go, 
is um, the field sites that we use. Uh, we're using both agricultural fields and also um, rangeland. Um, Nebraska is really a, f a fabulous place. It's been discussed. You know, we have this great gradient of weather across the state, and then we also have all sorts of soils. And so, we've been looking at. Um, a number of areas, but kind of two of my favorites are highlighted here. Um, we've been doing some work in, in the sand hills where we're looking for microbes that may help plants grow under alkaline conditions. So um, this is just kind of the area of the sand hills that we're collecting in. We're looking at some of these alkaline lakes that are um, uh, found in the sand hills. This is an aerial view of the sand hills. And then this is just showing you one of these lakes that we found. Um, on Rex Ranch, um, thanks to Don Adams, we were able to get onto this, this ranch and do some sampling. The pH of this water is about nine, and what we're doing is digging up some of the plant roots and taking some of the soil from around the soil, looking at the microbes and um, trying to culture them as well. Another favorite place of mine is uh, Brule, um, Nebraska. This is uh, near North Platte, about an hour outside. This is the project with uh, Greg Kruger. Um, Brule's a really gorgeous place, you know, um, and the sky here is just never ending. And one of the great capabilities in Brule that um, uh, was developed by the university is this variable rate irrigator. So we can do really um, these high precision drought experiments where we can dial in exactly how much water we're adding. We can do a number of drought treatments and with Greg's help um, we're doing a corn project um, out at Brule. So um, I'll go into a little bit more depth on a few different projects. Um, I want to just tell you about the work we're doing on the changes in the root microbiome in response to ozone and high CO2. That's at the University of Illinois, Champaign. I want to just tell you about the project we started on the microbiome um, and how that relates to iron uh, deficiency chlorosis, and then just mention this new project that was funded from the DOE. Um, so uh, in the, at the University of Illinois, they have this really unique capacity to uh, pump gases into a field. Uh, basically, they have these rings here that they can elevate either the CO2 or the ozone. And we're asking really simple questions like, um, what happens to the micro root microbial communities when we um, increase the CO2 for soybean or the ozone levels for corn? And then this is just a short kind of bit of data. So, um, you know, the lab's fairly new. We've been able to develop the methods for DNA extraction and sequencing pretty well. And then our next challenge is data analysis. So, you know, as I mentioned, you get a ton of data with this research. And so this just kind of shows you some of the methods that have been developed. And so, um, you know, this is an, a large data set and this is, um, principal coordinate analysis, and all it's showing you here, um, we haven't gone into huge depth with this data to really understand it, but what it's showing you here is the, these are the um, root samples that are coming out of the soil for soybean. There's not a huge differentiation between ambient and elevated CO2 here. Uh, these are the rhizosphere samples, and then these are the soil samples. So you can see you can separate out the different types of samples 
but really there's no differentiation in this data set between ambient and elevated. Another way you can look at this is a lot more complicated. Um, so this is just showing you kind of all the uh, bacteria, bacterial phyla that these DNA sequences let you identify. This is showing the ambient um, conditions and then the elevated. And here we have rhizosphere, root, soil, <clears throat> rhizosphere, root, and soil. Um, and what we aim to do is to figure out what the differences are, what's going on, um, and eventually figure out what these differences will be, you know, why these differences occur and how they'll affect plant growth and development. And um, so if you look kind of carefully here, you can see this orange bar is pretty much absent from this sample. So um, this is Bacteroidetes, uh, that's the phylum here, and you can see it's present in the ambient soil, in the amb roots growing under ambient CO2 conditions, and here it's absent from the root growing under the elevated CO2. So as we dig into this data, um, we'll be trying to figure out if this has any functional significance. Another way to look at the data is just um, looking at distances between different types of samples. And what's kind of interesting here is you can see these are the, the root microbes um, are pretty far away from the soil microbes. Um, so um, roots somehow, uh, what, what the endophytes that are inside the root um, are selected probably by the plant. And so the overall community looks a lot different in the root than in the soil. And what's interesting here is the rhizosphere is somewhat intermediate between the root and the soil. And so um, the outside of the root is a place where you know, um, the root is exuding some compounds. So it may influence the microbes that are growing there. But yet the bulk soil is a huge influence on what's growing there. Um, so no conclusions yet. But this is kind of what the data looks like. So then the soybean project that we've started and, and the work on um, induced deficiency chlorosis with George and Brian Waters, um, we're doing a couple things here. Uh, we're trying to understand, is, you know, does or can the root microbiome play a role in alleviating stress due to alkalinity? You know, this is the agricultural part of the problem. So these are some lines that George is working with. And you can see some of them are very chlorotic. Um, some of them look great. And so we want to understand, you know, are, are there differences in the microbiomes in these um, sensitive varieties versus the tolerant varieties? Um, so it's an exploratory project. And then what we're doing in the sand hills is we're prospecting for microbes um, in the roots of these plants growing in alkaline conditions to find microbes that may help uh, plants acquire iron more efficiently. And then finally, the last project I'll mention briefly is this um, DOE-funded sustainable biofuel um, project. And this is just showing you uh, grain sorghum, what that looks like. Uh, these are sweet sorghums. And then you have these giant biomass sorghums or energy sorghums. You can see that 
Um, this is what they look like. It's really quite amazing to, um, you know, if you, if you know sorghum, it's a little tiny seed. You plant it in the ground, and in about three months or four months, you get these just tremendously giant plants. So it has huge potential to be an important uh, biofuel feedstock. Okay, so the project is pretty complicated. It um, will be starting with some field surveys as well as some laboratory work. In the field, we'll be um, applying stresses of nitrogen and water stress. Um, we'll be doing phenomics, so with Art Ziegelbaum um, and, a, and a physiologist at Washington State, we'll be looking at how the plants grow in the field. We'll be doing microbial census, so we'll be digging up roots and looking at is there, you know, how the microbe component of the root changes with um, uh, climate uh, and stress, low nitrogen and low water, and how these also change with the genotypes of sorghum that we're using. Um, we have wide diversity of sorghum, so we have sorghum from um, three different breeders in the United States, including Ishmael Dwycott, and then we'll be doing uh, physiology on these plants. Um, we'll be doing laboratory studies on these plants at the Danforth Center, trying to understand the plant genotype by microbial genotype by environment interactions. Um, and then we'll be testing some more controlled environments. And eventually we hope to identify you know, the best genetics, um, the plants that grow best under um, marginal conditions where water and nitrogen may be limiting. And then also f look for microbial cocktails that may give these plants an advantage in these marginal lands. So, you know, again, this is a map of Nebraska, and we'll be capitalizing on the moisture gradient across the, straits, across, across the state. And so um, in western Nebraska, we'll be working with Cody Creech, and we'll be doing the drought experiments there, and then we'll be doing the nitrogen experiments um, more in central to uh, eastern Nebraska. And then these are just the stats on the project. It's a big project. I get to lead 15 PIs at eight different universities plus one DOE institute. Um, all told, uh, it's about a $14.5 million project, so I, I keep making it bigger. It sounds like uh, I think Rocks started at 13.5, then it went to 14. Um, so, but really, it's about 14.5 million. It's five years. We'll be using five, four field sites, um, two with low nitrogen, two with drought. We'll be collecting about 16,000 samples for this microbiome analysis, and then in the project, we'll be sequencing um, about 1,000 microbial genomes. So part of the work that we're doing is building these culture collections. So as we find these associations in the field between a certain microbe and drought conditions, what we want to be able to do is to go back into um, this collection, pull out a microbe that's either the same or similar, and then test it in the greenhouse if, to, de to determine if this microbe um, increases the drought tolerance or nitrogen use efficiency. And so the way that we're doing this is uh, we're collecting both endophytes, those are from the roots, and then the soil microbes, either from soils or rhizosphere. We're kind of prospecting widely, um, looking at these alkaline soils, the soils in Brule are yielding some interesting microbes. We've collected microbes from sandy soils in South Carolina, 
from mead and from various plant species, including corn, sorghum, switchgrass, side oats, and soybean. And so we're using standard uh, culturing methods. How am I doing on time? Okay, I've got about four more minutes. Standard culturing methods with seven different types of media. So for example, for the um, nitrogen fixing endophytes, we are um, growing uh, the microbes on nitrogen free media to pick those up. And then we're also using a more innovative method called an eye chip. And so basically what this is, is it's like a 96 well um, format. Um, it has um, membranes on both sides and then agar plugs inside these individual wells. And we take what we hope is like one bacterial cell will inoculate the um, individual wells in this plate and then we'll cover it with this, these membranes and then we'll bury it in soil and leave it for two or three months and this should allow the microbes to grow you know, with the nutrients that they would normally be getting in soil and it's been shown to be a method where um, uh, the dogma in the field now is that about only 1% of soil microbes are culturable but with this method people have been able to culture about 50% of soil microbes. So this is just showing you what some of the microbes look like that we've been able to culture. Um, I think this one is actually from these alkaline lake areas and it's kind of a cool one. So it basically turns the media um, blue. So this is kind of the normal color of the media. It exudes something that turns the media blue. And you can see if, if uh, when we look at the other side of the plate, you can see that the bacteria themselves are actually a white color. So this looks like it'll be pretty interesting. Um, this is just showing you kind of some of the diversity and color of these different microbes. And then what we do is we uh, amplify this 16S gene. We sequence it to determine what uh, genus or species the bacteria uh, belongs to. And this is just kind of another kind of cool microbe here. It turns the plate red. Um, and this one itself is red. Uh, this one is one of our favorite ones. It's a purple bacteria that we found in soils. Um, it's been characterized before, um, but this just kind of shows you the diversity of the microbes that are in the soil. So the status of the collection right now, we have so far, it's really pretty quick and easy to build up these collections. It's almost overwhelming. So we already have about 1,200 bacterial isolates. We have about 100 fungal isolates, and um, we've identified about 140 of them so far and it'll soon be uh, 340 in the next week or two. And then the next steps will be to assay, to develop assay systems to test these on plants to see if they improve growth or um, uh, provide nitrogen nutrition. And then uh, we'd also like to get into some phenotyping of the actual bacteria. So it's interesting, so when we have this 16S sequence, you can um, sequence these isolates and you can find two that have the same exact 16S sequence. But then when you look at the deeper, um, their genomes can be very different and their functional characteristics as well that can be, can be very different. So um, we'll eventually do some genome sequencing of these microbes. Okay, so just to recap, I gave you an idea of you know, some of the research questions we're asking, you know, um, who's out there, how do plants influence, um, how do the microbes influence the plants. Um, and then I told you about the tools that we're using, you know, the um, 
shovels and the coolers and the tubes, as well as the 16S um, ribosomal RNA that we're using as a tag, and then the sequencing methodology. Um, and then I told you a little bit about what we're doing exploring Nebraska soils. Um, I'm, you know, I've only lived in Nebraska for about a year and a half, and I'm very kind of taken by the beauty of this state and the interesting diversity that we have here. Um, so it's really a great kind of natural lab to work in. Um, I talked a little bit about these projects and some of the results, and then I showed you what we're doing with establishing a culture collection. And so, you know, we're doing a lot of basic research, but really, I think a lot about agriculture and how we can apply this research to agriculture. And so, there's some very difficult questions that we need to really solve with this research. One is how do we efficiently find the best microbes that are enhancing growth and development? There's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of microbes out there. So how do we you know, pull these all out and study them quickly and find the ones that'll be most useful for agriculture? And then the second part of the equation is how do we engineer stable relationships between roots and specific microbes? And so you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about to be at Nebraska is to have colleagues like um, Tom Clemente who have this you know, unique capability to engineer crop plants. And I, I really think that's where the stable relationships are going to be. We're going to need to engineer the plants to really cultivate specific microbes and um, make those stable when we go across thousands and thousands of acres. Okay, so that's um, pretty much the end. I wanted to just point out that today we have a talk at 3.30. I, I organized the seminar series, and so I wanted to make you aware of this. And so uh, my collaborator from the University of Illinois is actually here today visiting with faculty, and she'll be giving a talk. So come on over to Kime Hall at 3.30. I was going to advertise the popcorn, but I heard that there's no popcorn today, Rock. No. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, yep, you had to scoop the staff over here. But anyways, we usually have popcorn, and um, please come to um, the talk at 3.30, uh, and thank you very much for your attention today. <laughs>